0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Sports Weekly as ever. We're joined by Chris. Chris, say hi. Hi, Dan. And not joined by Josh this week because he's out at a National Pun Championships. He's promised to to uh, text us some puns throughout the show. So we're joined by a new member of the Sports Weekly team. Will, say hi.
1: Hello, Daniel.
0: And welcome to Sports Weekly. So we're back for another episode. Guys, how are we doing?
2: Uh, yeah, not too bad. Thanks, Dan. Yeah.
0: Yourself? You're good. Uh, I'm all right. I'm all right. Thank you. Will, how are you feeling on your first Sports Weekly podcast?
1: I, I, I'm nervous. I'm scared. I don't know what's going on. Uh, I, yeah. this Yeah, this you is feel good.
0: exactly the same as all of us then. Nice? Uh, Chris <laughs> is a yeller. Chris likes to shout at people. Um, no, not people. Sorry. Harry Kane. Harry Kane. That's the <laughs> <one>. um, <laughs> And if this you mention Steve 20. Bruce, then I'll start to scream too. Um, and if we mention Alan Pardew, you'll start to scream. So
1: we Another just won't side the that's managed to win a trophy. Um,
0: funnily enough, we are going to go on to the Oscars later. So thanks for that themed joke, because it was welcomed. Um, but nice weekend, Chris. Get up to anything special. I saw you painted a room. Yeah, nice. just
2: doing a, just doing a lot of decorating, basically, all day, so... And that's carried on into the, into today as well. So uh, yeah, pretty tied from all that. Really. How
0: how many red wines were consumed yesterday during the day? No, zero. 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 zero.
2: Focused on the job in hand. Yeah, good. Um, Steady hand. That's what you need. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Can't exactly. be taking chances there. Uh, yeah. yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> Did you uh, paint Will, a
2: mural? Ha- were you painting a mural? Uh, no. Although now you've put that in my head, Will. So um, well, there's still time. <laughs> What's
0: that Lincoln City player with a? incredible name
2: uh, uh I mean, F- john jules was it it's
0: not not him but ah oh, it'll come to me at the end okay. of the show right. hey, you all of the guy i'm thinking of that you can't remember the name of because i'm not explained it right well. um <laughs> will how how did you survive the storm
1: um went to uh charlton versus stoke on the saturday or stoke versus charlton should i say nice um, good result for you guys extreme well Michael O'Neill drinks the whiskey, drinks the Guinness, hates the veil. Uh, just has done absolute wonders there. Uh, God, I, it's just brilliant. M-O-N. MON is the man of the moment, let's be honest. Obviously
0: brought in the big Jimmy Chester. I heard he played he was as,
1: as a centre-back, you expect him all to be absolutely huge. He's a tiny centre-back, but he's he just... Is, he? he was lovely to watch. Really good with his feet. I was very surprised. Like I just thought, oh... But no, just James Chester was Jared and Shaqiri at the back. But no, he was all he was, he was all right. I, I I was really enjoying what he did, what he brought uh, to the
0: squad. I feel like had he not been so injury prone, he'd probably be our captain leading into this season. Do you think? Um, I think so. I think he, he's that good. He's good enough to be within our team this year. But
2: over Jack, just...
0: uh, I think Chester would still have been captain had he not got injured. Yeah, he was club captain for a while and um just i just love the guy such a good player i wrote a song about him once but we won't go into that too much oh Uh, you should definitely bring that up yeah youtube it james chester he says it every week terrible yeah the new new intro
1: to sports weekly (laughs) yeah
0: Yeah. no really not um chris not a good result for you guys at the weekend though
2: No, no one
0: lost to rotherham
2: yeah i mean they are better than us so it wasn't entirely unexpected but uh yeah, a bit disappointing. I think we lost three in a row now. So um
0: and a 47 just sort of uh, goal by Garth drifting Brooks.
2: towards mid table finish, which is all right really, considering we got promoted last year, but yeah. um all our best players are being sold or recalled by bigger clubs, <laughs> so they've had to go back. So <laughs> we're struggling a bit for up front now. Well, where are you in the
0: league? Cause you you're you're not About... too close to the relegation zone, right? Like
2: no, few, because because clubs in League One just are constantly going into liquidation. So um, that's saving <laughs> so us. you're was... all right. Yeah, <laughs> Good news. Yeah. I mean, looking at the table
0: now, you are 15 points off Yeah. from safety. So I think you're okay.
2: It will uh, yeah.
0: Yeah, you'll be okay. Uh, just to point out, I was joking when I said Garth Crooks. It was, of course, Matt Crooks with his tentacle of <laughs> um, I don't want people thinking that I'm a, I'm an absolute silly bones. Um, great result for Villa at the weekend. We didn't lose. So... I mean, we didn't play, but we didn't lose. So.
1: 17th still, Champion.
0: aren't you? Yeah. 17th is all we need. 17th and an 8-0 loss in the cup final. Do you think what, what your do
1: you, do you, do you manager's going to last to the end of the season? Uh, without that. It alone?
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah we weren't ex- I don't think anyone was expecting us to get up when he took over. We were all expecting to get up at the start of the season. But when he took over, we were quite low down. So I don't think we were expecting the run he went on of 10 wins in a row. And then to to win in the playoffs. Um, So I think regardless of what happens, I don't think he'll be sacked. And I don't think he should be sacked either. Because Mm. if we go down, we'll sell our best assets, which is bad. But then we can actually reinvest in the squad and use the parachute payments to get back up again and do similar to what Burnley did, I think, and really establish ourselves. Or we stay up. Grealish gets in the England squad. He then takes us into the Champions League next season, winning the league by by three seasons time. So, so one Irv or two.
1: Madison at the moment then?
0: Uh, I would play them both with Hendo behind. Um, however, I would play Grealish and the Ox would also be a, a, a good combination. I think he will end up playing the Ox, Madison and Henderson personally, but he, he seems to I, think of I Grealish as a left being, winger. I so. can't see
1: him putting Ox. Because I'll, I'll give him his due. I'll give Southgate his due. He does bring in players on form. It's something he promised to do at the start of the season. Um, with that in mind, then, I, I can't see Ox making it, purely down to an injury reason. He's a very good player, and there's no reason why he couldn't make it if he plays to the end of the season. I think at this moment in time, Grealish has been pu- has been performing a lot better than Madison. Certainly because Leicester have just stopped scoring for the last couple of games. Not saying Madison's a bad player whatsoever, but if you're going on form recently... Regardless of where both teams are, really has been the better player. He's literally yeah. got the whole Aston Villa on his back because so his ankles. <laughs> yeah. Must be... Yes. Yeah, He's doing his best. Yeah, he's, well,
0: he's absolutely best. trying to drag us forward, isn't he? But uh, it's a big ask to try and get Tyrone Mings on your back and, and drag him forward because Tyrone Mings is a big uh, yeah, ask. Yeah, because
1: your back four have all, all of a sudden gone very quiet. Mings was in for replacing Michael Keane at one point. This I remember fans chanting for, but what? since
0: well, Chris loves Tyrone Mings, so, uh, I mean, you should have...
2: <laughs> Absolutely dreadful uh, player. Should be nowhere near the England team. Absolutely oh, nowhere near. Him or
1: Michael Keane, though. Michael Keane's not done anything better. Oh. No, he's, he shouldn't be there either. Yeah, I mean, but, it's, yeah. gonna,
0: it ha- it's, it's going to be Joe Gomez and Harry Maguire, isn't it? It's,
1: gotta yeah, be, it's got to that'll be. Yeah, be, that'll, be, that'll be fine, yeah. Yeah. Also, that. get the rave on. Keep Pickford in goal. He's a monster for England, but awful for Everton. He has got tiny, tiny <laughs> arms. Like, yeah, but
2: he's I agree, but for England is a completely different place. <laughs> no, yeah, he is. He is. Bleeding I feel like in he can... Wayne Rooney, who was always amazing for Man United and then rarely turned up for England yeah. after about 2004. So yeah, anyway. well, I, I feel like yeah, Pickford
0: has no pressure on him when he's at England because more often than not, especially in qualifying, with are dominating games where he's at mm-hmm. Everton, where not particularly recently under Ancelotti, they've had to take a lot of pressure and it, the defense in front of him isn't good enough.
1: If Christian Benteke is scoring goals against you, you are struggling. Christian
0: So I I love Benteke. So he's an absolute monster. Um, But we we digress because, Will, earlier you mentioned the Oscars, or at least you mentioned the winner of the best picture. And that got me thinking, we need some Oscars-themed questions. We need to know (laughs) some winners. So first question. I know I've given you a bit of time to think about it. Whether you have or not is your prerogative, I suppose. But... The greatest sportsman in your lifetime—that's question number one. Greatest sportswoman in your lifetime—question number two. And greatest sporting match/slash occasion of your lifetime—question number three. Question number one to you first, Chris. Greatest sportsman of your lifetime.
2: Well, it's a pretty tough question, and you can take your pick from uh, several. Yeah, several sportsmen. Um, I the first one that probably came to not mind Harry was... Kane. The first one that came—I'm not going to dignify that. Of an <laughs> okay, fine, first just... one that came to mind was was Lionel Messi. I mean, it's an easy answer, but he's uh, kind of pushed the boundaries of goal scoring in in like modern times. Really, um, yeah, scoring a goal a game, if not better, for you for several seasons in a row. Six uh, Ballon d'Ors. Yeah, with yours. Yeah, six ball doors. The only thing he's maybe missing is winning something with Argentina, really. But he's done he it got all. got so probably. close. Mm. And yeah, and that's not dragged a, them to so a like, final. Yeah, yeah,
0: exactly. So, uh, so I'm imagine yeah, you're yeah. on the Messi side of the Ronaldo-Messi debate.
2: Wow.
1: I mm. mean, I don't think there's a. I don't think there's a debate. I just no, like. I don't I, I,
2: personally. I mean, I appreciate both of them really. I mean, and mm-hmm. they've made it once kind of elevated It's the fact they've competed against each other for so many years, especially in the same league, and all those like really highly charged Classico matches and competing with each other for the um, Champions League as well. Um, So, yeah, they're both fantastic players. um, But, yeah, I've just... I mean, it was a tight decision, but I went for Messi in the end. Uh, Fair play. Uh, Will? Greatest
1: sportsman
0: Um, of your lifetime.
1: In our lifetime, as, as Chris pointed out, it is something very difficult to say as there are so many fantastic sportsmen in possibly some of the best entertaining sports managers we've seen and competitions and whatnot in regards to tennis, in regards to football, in regards to basketball, in regards to boxing. But I've gone for uh, Floyd Mayweather Jr. Ooh. Left field, Floyd like left it. Um, reasons, please. Just literally because of the unbelievable record, total fight. I mean, we were coming to the end of Joe Calzaghe's incredible reign when I was young, probably primary school, But in regards to Floyd Mayweather, who has come from absolutely nothing, I mean, I think he's still, if I'm not wrong, I think he's still illiterate. I think he struggles to read and write, but he doesn't really struggle counting his money, does he? Like 50 (laughs) fights, 50 wins, 27 by KO. And it's just, it's amazing. He used to be called, I think he used to be called Floyd Pretty Boy Mayweather. Mm. And just, he was still winning fights, this incredible boxer, but... No one was paying attention to him. As soon as he called himself Floyd whether apparently he was arrogant. He was this or that, and but we we fed we fed into the rhetoric, and we take we we really don't acknowledge enough how good he is in regards to his speed and technical ability. He makes people look like absolute chumps. I think it was his fight against Alvarez, um, who I really really deemed as someone who could break his duck, but or break his spell, should I say? But just, it was nowhere near him. Um, I'd, I'd say it'd be a little bit... Plus he, you know, that the biggest fight of our decade, him versus Conor McGregor, McGregor, sorry, which in itself is a bit of a joke when it comes to the world of boxing, I would say. But, I mean, what, what, was, the, what was the person like? 100 million splitting at 60 yeah, yeah. 50, This is a boxer versus a UFC fighter. And that was... Don't get me wrong, everyone liked Conor McGregor, but the reason why money was behind it is because of Floyd Mayweather. I just think in regards to what he's done... From where he's come from, uh, yeah, he's possibly one of the best sportsmen we've uh, we've seen, irregardless of his antics off uh, off the field. Fair the shout, end.
0: and I think I think a lot of people dismiss him because they kind of play on the easy fights he takes, or the or the, the latest ones against, like you said, McGregor and the. Um, the the Asian kickboxer he, he yeah, fought against as well, but they were they, exactly they're an entertainment event, weren't they? When he's fought against the likes of Pacquiao, he's, he's shown just what a quality boxer he is. So I okay. think that's a fair yeah. shout. Uh, for me, I'm gonna have to. I'll tell Josh. I, I think I took a bribe from Josh for this, but I, I think I'm gonna have to go for Roger <laughs> Federer because just. The way he acts off the court and the way he acts on the court, how many grand slams he wins, the fact that he's 38 and still gets to countless semifinals, finals, tournament um, wins, and the fact that he's now kind of slowing himself down to keep himself ready and that management. And he's a complete brand. You notice it by the things he wears with RF on it. It's just, I think he's just done wonders for the sport of tennis and had Djokovic, Nadal, had he been around in a in an era that was slightly easier, I mean he'd be so far ahead in the in the Grand Slam titles. It would be ridiculous. So for me, Roger Federer takes that award. Um Sportswoman is the next one, the next category of our sposkers. Um Chris, the greatest sportswoman in your lifetime,
2: please. So I continued your t- tennis theme and for Serena Williams. Um she's almost matched the record number of majors achieved by a, a woman um she's just one off i think she's yeah. won a major while pregnant which i can't really imagine how difficult as well something that. like
1: that
2: yeah se- several weeks in yeah yeah it wasn't like right at the start um she and she's kind of raised the pro- profile and of uh people of F, F, uh, sports people of like ethnic minorities as well because she's um, before her in tennis there weren't weren't so many uh, people of different races competing um, and she showed that just as good if not better, better than many others and she's like um, she's really raised a profile that way as well along with her sister as well of course and um, just showed all the hard work and determination can can get you so far and had to deal with the fact that her I think her sister was murdered at some point a few mm. years ago as well. And so I had to deal with that grief in her family and personally as well. And still came through that. Um, she'd been well within her rights to retire there and then, I think. But she's yeah. carried it on and I guess carried her sister's legacy with throughout
1: that as well ever since. Yeah, so, um,
2: yeah, yeah absolutely fantastic. It Sorry, that
1: oh, What would you do if, because um, you always see the mother, don't you, at the games? Mm. Serena and Venus's mother at the games. How- how tough must that be? Would you be one of those people who'd go to the games and have to pick because it usually used to be a final between them for quite some time? Yeah, yeah. What, 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 I, I don't think I'd be able to do it. I don't think I could turn yeah. to the game. I no, feel like no, you'd no.
0: have to be so level-headed. You'd have to go in afterwards and be kind of muted congratulations to one and, and muted sympathy to the other to yeah. not... Put a down or an up, or like too uh, upbeat on that. I'm like
2: watching them. each point. You would either have to cheer every point or <laughs> yeah. completely stoic. She always uh, stayed like very no stoic, States, didn't she? Like, no, yeah. like no emotion at no, all. No, yeah, she went for that. Probably the right <laughs> call. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, amazing. Yeah, amazing. Awesome, and uh, yeah, she's she's my pick. Fair enough. Uh, Will,
1: and um, I, yeah, this was quite quite a tough one for me at this moment in time, um, but. I don't know why, but I think it was because it's one of those things where it's easy for me to say in a sport that I'd prefer, possibly such as football, cricket and rugby, just to name someone from there. But I I just generally chose someone that the first time I saw it, it was in a sport that I had no interest in whatsoever. For what for whatever reason that I don't have. Uh Simone Biles, the uh American oh, yeah. gymnast, uh the most she's either equaled or recorded or recorded as the most decorated American gymnast with twenty five Olympic... Yeah. Yeah, twenty-five Olympic and World Championship medals, in like Rio de Janeiro. I think she was a teenager. Or she was twenty. I think she was a teenager. Yes. Four goals. Yeah. Four golds, and it was this floor exercise routine, or and the balance beam actually. That I thought, this tiny thing, on top of an even tinier thing, <laughs> and is doing <laughs> flips. Is doing curls. Is doing jumps. it's not falling. I just, I just thought that's that's incredible. And for someone to be that young and that small, which may be easier being a gymnast, is just, I, I couldn't, I, loads of people I know couldn't do that. And I just thought, wow, this is really entertaining. And it gave me a newfound respect for gymnasts and Matt Baker, who narrates the gymnast at every Olympic competition that we do have. <laughs> she's like, she's really <laughs>
2: explosive as well, isn't she? she yeah. The gymnast mm. as well. like, you often see women obviously doing the gymnasts and it's very graceful and quite that sort of thing where she brings a certain, like she is graceful as well, of course, obviously, but she mm-hmm. brings a lot of power and, uh, explosive movement to it, which is quite spectacular, I think. So yeah, I mean, yeah that, really,
1: that's really good choice as well. Yeah. yeah. I just, next yeah.
0: Normal, as I've in... got to be honest, Will, she was my choice as well. <laughs> and it's, it is exactly for what you said, the fact that she's so decorated, she's still only 22 years old so could go further she's under five foot she's around four foot eight
1: nothing wrong with that exactly nothing nothing wrong with that dan
0: as you said chris she's so explosive yeah and it kind of shows just how hard she's had to work to to get that power in her in her legs to be able to do so many of those things um four olympic golds and an olympic bronze 19 world championship gold medals and she's not just won it in one um uh what one what's it called come on what's the word
2: event uh, discipline
0: discipline that's the word chris she's not just won it in one discipline she's won it a team event all around vault yeah. floor exercise uh she's won gold in balance beams um it's just incredible and they even got in silvers in doha and uneven bars which Look, insanely difficult. <laughs> that's,
1: that's the no, thing. It's, it's it's really difficult to not. I don't know what it is about. Possibly three blokes talking about a, a female gymnast at, at that, that age to, without trying to sound it patronising. We mentioned like golden beams and bars and stuff like that, but it's so not where it's coming from. It's such an impressive thing to do. It's, it's
0: insane. It, isn't it?
1: It, it's something that's worlds and worlds and worlds and worlds and worlds away from what I comprehend, what the human body and what the human person can do. Mm. I just think. I think if someone can inspire someone in a sport that they had no interest in before on such a way that, yeah, you, you, you shouldn't ask her for that.
0: It's just the fact that she's so dominant across the board. And mm. as I said, she's only 22. She's got 30 medals. And it means she's only three behind the most decorated gymnast ever with an Olympic Games coming up, which to me just mean that she's got every chance and probably will break that record. So just an absolutely brilliant, brilliant sports person. Um, Last one. And I'm aware of the time. So we'll ask you this quickly. Greatest sporting match or occasion in your lifetime. Now this could, this could be something really specific to you, which mine is, or it could be something that's very generic and the whole country enjoyed. So Chris, I'll come to you first.
2: Okay. Um,
0: difficult
2: one yeah is that okay well we mentioned it a few weeks ago but like a whole event when we look back at the decade um the sort of three weeks of london 2012 i thought was really good as an event which the whole the whole country got behind um obviously spanned a few weeks but there was so much going on it helped that britain performed so well um as a team of course um And I remember watching pretty much the TV solidly for about three or four weeks, just taking it all in and enjoying what a good job uh, Great Britain did putting on that uh, Olympics as well, not just how well they performed because, yeah, it takes (laughs) quite a lot of sorting out and organising to get it uh, successful in the first place. Um, I thought, yeah, I thought it was a fantastic occasion, really. So, yeah. As as Will
0: alluded to, it kind of brought to the fore a lot of events that you would never watch yeah, exactly. normally and yeah. the ones that you get just so involved in and mm-hmm. really enjoy and don't want to miss any more of which i thought was incredible uh will your greatest sporting match or occasion or event for the Sposkers. which one I was you just say gonna... again to be
1: honest? yeah, yeah. I, I, I was just going to uh say to chris that it was also interesting seeing the queen jump out of the plane that was yeah. oh yeah just nice that one yeah. How could I forget Our that? family got involved and it wasn't some sort of horrific scandal. Yeah. Um, <laughs> allegedly. That, uh, allegedly, <laughs> yeah. Allegedly, <laughs> allegedly. Yeah, allegedly. Alleged scandal. Um, yeah, I, I thought we were all going to have the same one here. So I, I don't know whether I'm disappointed or, or quite proud that we're, we're different in the end. 2005 Istanbul Champions League final. Yeah,
2: that was right, That was what yeah, I wrote yeah. that down as well.
0: That, that is we also on my that. list. Yeah. yeah. Number three it on my list. Th-
1: I mean, a lot of fans would prefer Chris Damble, which is a very, very, <laughs> yeah. very There's something for everyone <laughs> 2005 yeah. In 2005, it was just 3-0 down against a team with Herman Cresco Crespo, sorry, Dida Paolo Maldini 3-0 up at half-time Fantastic. That's it! That is it. That is it. I, I've never, I've I've seen Arsenal draw or Arsenal draw four-four to Newcastle, One and game. I've seen Stoke batter Bolton five-one at a semi-final at Wembley. But being through... Greener <laughs> three-nil with I've never seen a team. I don't know whether they collapsed, whether Liverpool were too fired up. I I I generally don't know what was happening that moment. I was I can't I can't imagine. I think I was. Um, ten, 10 years old, watching it on this really small block TV in my kitchen. Me and my dad were just watching this game, having no clue what was going on. Not Liverpool fans, no real, you know, no officiation with them whatsoever. And then all of a sudden, that first Gerard goes in, just like, yeah consolation goal, fantastic. Then all of a sudden, Vladimir Smeisser, who's not done anything since that final, pops up, scores. Then one of the most tense moments I've ever seen. Xabi Alonso misses that penalty just to then slot. I think it was Xabi. Was it Xabi Alonso who took the penalty? Yeah, it, it, was, yeah, it yeah. was. And then all of a sudden it's 3-3 it and there's absolute limbs going everywhere. And then all of a sudden, Dudak with the shaky leg tactic, which <laughs> I'm sure he must have found off someone beforehand, but actually worked. It, actually, it, it was just a masterclass of just... Never say die spirit, obviously, a bit of quality in the team and Jersey X legs. I, I, I just it was, yeah, that was just one of the best games I've ever seen. Yeah, because everyone's what great
0: legs as well. Fantastic great legs, they were. Um, it's two great choices. Uh, I mean, if I went for generic, I'd have to go for the England Cricket World Cup final. Um, oh, of course, and and winning it uh last year. And that was incredible. And that was a moment that I will never forget watching it, as I've said to Chris many times, in a Chinese restaurant with waiters coming up around me saying, what's going on? We're not allowed to watch it in the back. <laughs> oh, wow. what, what... Incredible. Um, personally, for me, there's two that stick out. Beating Liverpool 2-1 in the semi-final at Wembley of the FA Cup. And I was there. And it was just incredible because we shouldn't have beaten that Liverpool team. And we did. And Tim Sherwood was the hero. Tactics Tim. Does it again. And the other one for me was playoff final against Derby, Villa mm. 2, Derby one. Oh, and again, just an incredible atmosphere. We went 2-0 up, never looked like losing, gave them a goal back, but just being generous, won't we? say? So, um, but yeah, if I was going generic, England Cricket World Cup all day. But that's all we've got time for in this section because we need to get on with the show. <laughs> So our first topic today is Chris's choice. So Chris, would you please introduce your sporting topic?
2: Uh, Yes, so my sporting topic this week is uh, the English Championship. So I thought it would be interesting to look at this week because there's been a bit more of a spotlight on it with there being a reduced programme of Premier League fixtures this week. So uh, there's quite a few interesting topics to look at. So I thought we'd uh, delve a bit deeper into uh, what's going on in the league. And any results
0: that kind of stood out to you over the weekend?
2: Yeah, so probably the biggest match was uh, Leeds against Nottingham Forest, which ended up in a 2-0 win for Nottingham Forest. Um, Quite a few aspects to that, which we'll get onto in a minute, uh, concerning um, the race for promotion there. Uh, There was also uh, another very useful win for West Brom, uh, who had gone through their own little wobble at the top, but uh, that's given them a bit of gap over the playoff chasing teams there. Uh, and then four
0: point leeway, haven't they? Do you think that's quite a, a strong grip on it or
2: no, not at all. <laughs> but it's stronger than uh than it was going into the weekend. Yeah. Um so they'll be grateful for those for those points and uh, a few players coming back from injury which will help them as well I think. But um yeah, plenty to play for and then moving further down the league as well in the relegation <laughs> battle. Uh, very, I'm sure we'll will get onto in a minute uh, Stokes' uh, performance, but they got a got a win, their third win in four there, which is dragging them nicely clear of the relegation fight, and also a win for the old Lincoln managers, the Cowley brothers, who uh, got another win with Huddersfield, so they're a bit uh, clear of uh, Wigan, who are in the uh, third relegation spot at the moment. So yeah, quite a few stories to look at.
0: Yeah, I mean, you mentioned West Brom, and their and their biggest problem has been drawing a lot of games. Um, you mentioned Leeds as well, and their biggest problem recently has been losing a lot of games. They've lost four of their last five. They've been on a really poor run of form since around Christmas, just before Christmas, I'd say. Um, and they have lost against the likes of Wigan. They've lost against QPR. They've let two in against Millwall. They have let four in against Birmingham City in a 5-4 win. They've just really faltered and it's kind of made them pay the price because they're level on points with uh, Fulham now in third place I mean Will what what do you think of of Leeds's chances now of automatic promotion I mean and what is it with Leeds that they keep bottling every single year
1: well that's the thing um it's not like they're out of the playoffs yet but you can sort of see the story already written um they've got I mean, I think one of the biggest issues is the strikers. I mean, Patrick Banford, as you uh, mentioned earlier, has scored 12 goals this season, but his shot to conversion ratio is it's awful. There's been numerous chances where, um, you know, it's, it's only, I mean, we're about three quarters way through the season, maybe a bit more, maybe a bit less than that. And there are already like massive videos on Twitter of the amount of chances he actually misses. He missed a few against well, Cardiff, I mean, missed a few against Preston.
0: I mean, 94 shots taken, 12 goals scored if that
1: helps. it Once again, I mean, it's not that good of a conversion rate for a team heading for promotion. And they were, let's not forget, they were top at, yeah. at one point and I've completely absolutely folded. The thing against, the thing with Leeds is though, as if, if anyone watched that um, series on Amazon, it, it, it's Marcus Bielsa. He has plan A, boss possession of football and attack, 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 attack. But will is, but we'll lose it when it comes to the end of the season because his players are so tired from all the running and all the possession-based football. We saw it with Liverpool in that season. You know, we mentioned Istanbul earlier. We'll talk about Chris Istanbul now, in which Dwight Gale tore them a new one because I think they took two. I think they took a two-nil lead, but were just absolutely shattered. Couldn't keep up, and that's what eventually lost them the. The Boston League, a couple of bad decisions from Brendan Rogers and Liverpool just getting absolutely shattered. I mean, could you argue we're seeing that with Leicester as well this season? Quite absolutely, possibly, yeah. I was just about to say
0: the same, but, yeah.
1: But Jamie Vardy stops, I mean, 17 goals in a season, I would kill for to see a Stoke player yeah. to do that.
0: Yeah.
1: But James Manerton has stopped playing, Hansa Chowdhury has stopped playing. It's become, I don't know, I, I, I won't say anything with Leicester just yet because it's the first time his league, you know, first time Brendan, Char- Brendan Rogers has been in charge of Leicester. Um, for a full season so we'll wait but with Leeds the worry is there is no plan B under Bielsa and mm. you know if if they want to get better Bamford's got to start, start scoring and if you look if you actually watch the Nottingham Forest game versus Leeds Nottingham Forest should have been 3 4 nil up and Leeds still had 70% of possession possession doesn't automatically make you win a game
0: No you're exactly right and Jean, uh, Kevin Augustin came on for Bamford Uh After 71 minutes, maybe starting to introduce him to them, maybe think about changing him over. I don't know, but it does seem like looking at his stats as a high amount of shots compared to the amount of goals he scores, as you said, Will, which could then suggest that he does waste a lot of chances. I mean, as we move further down the table, Chris, at the minute in the playoff positions, we've got Fulham on 55 points, level on points with Leeds, and form wise, well on their way to overtaking Leeds, having. Won the same amount of games, drawn the same amount of games, lost the same amount of games, scored the same amount of goals. It just seems to me like Fulham are very, very clearly catching up with Leeds, especially considering the amount of goals that Leeds have conceded recently. Um, Forest on 54 points with the great victory against Leeds. Brentford on 53 points, a 3-2 victory against Middlesbrough, which they had to. I think they took the lead three times in the game. Um, Preston on 50 points have won three and drawn two of their last five games. Bristol city also on 50 points, just outside the, the, uh, playoff pa- places on goal difference, having won four of their last five games, won four on the bounce, actually. I mean, anyone's game really, isn't it? Pr- pretty much down to Derby in 13th place yeah. on 43 points.
2: Mm. Yeah, at least. Yeah. I mean, for out of the teams you mentioned, I think I'm liking what Brentford are doing. I yeah. think, uh, They've got a lot of goals in the team, and they added to that in the transfer window with uh, two players from Oxford who are quite highly rated. So that's going to uh, give them even more firepower going forward. And um, I mean,
0: Ben Rama was the one player I wanted Villa to sign in the transfer window. Yeah, both transfer windows, I have to say.
2: They've got some. Yeah, they've got. I mean, they had to sell more pay to uh, Brighton last summer, who was previously there, their main striker. But um, the players are bought through or to uh, or added transfer-wise to replace them have been been just as impressive. And their front three is really, really destructive. And, uh, yeah, it's fired them to 52 goals this season. So, I, if I was to, to choose a team, I'd say they might well be uh, another one who could go out automatically this year. Uh, the other it says team, a like, lot
0: that they've got the best attack in the division and the best defence in the division.
2: I, yeah, I know, the best yeah.
0: of them Which is incredible.
2: Yeah, it's quite... Uh, if you look at their, uh, if you, I know there's been quite a lot of talk about statistics and things like expected goals, but if you look at that, Brentford are comfortably, the expected table, as it were, Brentford are comfortably in second. Uh, it says something that leads a 22 points worse off than they should be based on the chances yeah. they've created. And that just ties into exactly what Will was saying earlier about Bamford. I know it's not just Bamford, but he's a big reason why they haven't converted. I mean, 22 points, that's an astonishing amount that they've let, let slide. Um, and then interestingly third in the expected table is, is Stoke so it's astonishing that they're in a relegation battle when yeah. they're creating so many chances defending reasonably well and they're just like they must just be the unluckiest team in the league <laughs> <Yeah>. I mean <laughs> it's it's unbelievable. The, the, thing,
0: the thing for Brentford is they've just lost too many games they've lost 10 games only drawn 5 yeah and, that's true and but so if you lost win one and nil lose to...
2: one that's better than drawing two isn't true. it true so but they have
0: lost to Huddersfield Town 1-0 lost yeah. to Blackburn 1-0, lost to Millwall 1-0. So all of their losses, lost to uh, Sheffield Wednesday 2-1, all of their losses pretty much throughout the season have been by one goal. And that's, that's not a lot. What do, you, what do you think, Will?
1: I think, like, obviously we've, we've come off on the negative point there and you are correct. That's probably the reason why Brentford are losing. But something that really is not brought attention much when I hear people talk about Brentford is the impact that Robert Rowan had for them the technical director unfortunately passed away a couple of years ago at the young age of 28. If you look at Brentford before he took over to the Brentford he took after, he was in port. He was in charge of, you know, their scouting. He was, he was, in, he was their, you know, technical director. He is the one who's actually started this. I don't know if you've noticed Brentford's wonderful academy rise in regards of mm. making great players like Ben Rama, like Mapai, like Ryan Woods making them let them come great and selling them on for a profit and then not getting rid of them like maybe at, at what you could see Southampton is as now as a, sort of an empty club with, with no one in their academy but they then kept rebuilding players still making the profit and that was actually all down to uh, Mr Own himself it's very unfortunate he died at such a young age because I mean possibly where would the club be now uh, not saying that you know his legacy still isn't there I'd also like to touch a point on what Chris was saying earlier as well I think someone who's going under the radar and who may be headhunted quite soon is Alex Neal at Preston. Mm. Um, He's been tapped, when we played him at the start of the season, Stoke City, tactically was one of, he he got everything absolutely spot on. And it's actually quite surprising that they're not higher than six. He's had uh, Daniel Johnson playing again. And, you know, they just look incredible on the ball and barely make, for me, as a championship fan can go, seems like they barely make a mistake. And that's not. Short down to the miracle word out and
0: he was done. Yeah, of course. I mean, he had a chance in the Premier League with Norwich, didn't he? But um didn't go as well, as well as he would have hoped. But he was yeah. very, very young at the time.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And I think he's, quite he's quite kind of grown as a manager. It was
0: what it really was, yeah, they so that, for that well Norwich side. Well. They, then they weren't yeah. good enough at that, no. that point. And, and he no. was just unfortunate that he was the man there at the time, who I think took them up anyway um, and did well to take them up. Yeah. Um, Will, as we go down the table... We kind of, as I talked about, Derby upwards are capable of, well, are capable of the playoffs. But there are teams who are in awful form below Derby who, if Wigan keep surprising us with results like they did against Leeds, could start to pick up more points and other teams could start to falter. I mean, Hull, since selling the likes of uh, Jared Bowen, have um, lost four of their last five games. And haven't won in a long, long time. Um, currently sitting 14th on 40 points. they probably just have enough points at this stage. Mm. But if they keep losing games, they're going to drag themselves into trouble. Mm. QPR lost four of their last five games, only on 38 points, with Wigan on 29. Mm. Um, Stoke and Huddersfield have started to win a few more games to try and get themselves out of trouble. Mm. But it it is getting quite exciting now, especially that Wigan have won two of their last five.
1: Yeah, it's a bit... so. Uh... Everyone hopes for that new manager bounce Huddersfield are going through and Stoke are going through at this moment in time, which I generally think will push them forward. I don't think I think fans may be surprised when Middlesbrough, I mean, they're 18th on the table, but that's because they haven't been playing good football whatsoever mm. ever since they spent so much money, was it a couple of years ago, on players like uh, Sambalanga. They have just absolutely dropped like a rock. Um, QPR and Reading both not very good football teams unfortunately no. Stoke lost them I think we've lost to keep on we've lost to Reading I'm not saying Stoke can do any better but if you look at them if you look at the teams that are below them if we can carry on their form, you if you're at the bottom you start winning games it's not a negative thing is it if you carry on their sort of progress that would be you know phenomenal because they're not a good side at all Issue is, you've got about six teams at the bottom here. Obviously, because I'm biased, I'm going to say Stoke going to make it. I don't think Huddersfield are actually as safe as people they're make, make, making them out to be yet. And lest we forget, we've just beaten 3 1 at the weekend in a dominant performance. Charlton have got League yeah. One players throughout their squad and have not bought in January very well. I don't, I was speaking to Charlton fans this weekend, they don't blame Lee Bowyer because they can't blame Lee Bowyer. He's an absolute no. wonders there. Mm. But issue is, apparently, they've just got League One players across the board. And you know, to, to win as many games as what I think they've won eight games. That some of them were saying they're surprised they won that many because they haven't turned out very good performances whatsoever. I, I just, I, I, Luton are down for me. I, I'm, yeah. I, I've watched them play; no. they were too sloppy on the ball. Um, Barnsley—they may win a couple of games till the end of the season, but once again, they were they were very poor as well. And I generally think you'll see Reading, QPR, Charlton drop. I think Stoke, Huddersfield and even though Hull got rid of Jared Bowen, they'll win a couple more games to the end of the season. they have still got some good players in that squad Um, I think they'll be fine. But yeah, i look at Reading QPR, Charlton Barnsley, Luton for bottom four and possibly those But I think Stoke and Huddersfield now are on a good run of form. But then it's, the, it, 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 it's the championship. Um, two, weeks ago, anything can happen. two weeks ago I think Stoke was seven or three weeks ago Stoke with seven points above after winning two games in a row then after getting batted 4-0 by Darby we were only two points ahead before this Charlton game so you don't know what one win one loss can let you bring you straight back into it
0: yeah and as Middlesbrough are finding out several losses and, and several games without wins QPR as well would drag you right back into it mm. and as Wigan found out any any victory would drag you closer to the people around and make them start to worry and once there's a A gap that could be closed teams start Mm -hmm. to panic and do stupid Mm -hmm. things and 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 it happens every single year i'm going to ask you both the final question of this little part who do you think goes up this year chris i'll come to you first west brom currently first leeds currently second but we know it's so close between leeds fulham forest brentford preston and bristol city so who goes up for you chris in what? the automatics, and who goes up through the playoffs?
2: Uh, I'm going to go West Brom and Brentford automatically, and in the playoffs, uh, let's say, Forest in the playoffs.
0: Ooh. So Brentford into the Premier League, with a new stadium, what a great introduction yeah. to the Premier League that would be, Forest back where they many people think they belong, Leeds faltering yet again, Will, what do you reckon?
1: So, so much, Chris, to be honest, I think... Billich has just enough to take them up. Because, um, I mean, West Brom weren't doing that well either, we should point out. I know they've just got a couple of wins recently, but I do think they'll, st- I do think they'll keep number one spot. Yeah. I, I think Dean
2: Garner will help as well, because he's yeah. been injured, hasn't he, a lot? Oh,
1: yeah, yeah. And I think they've that
0: gone through their kind of sloppy patch, and I think they'll start to pick yeah. up again, and they have the last few games.
1: Mm. So, West Brom, as I'm with Chris, I think Leeds are full it, but I think it will be not an to get the automatic spot because Fulham, if Mitrovic doesn't play, Fulham don't play. Uh, You get to see that firsthand. If Mitrovic has a bad game, the whole of Fulham has a bad game because they are literally playing with 10 men with a lone (laughs) striker who just sometimes cannot be bothered. Uh, But then, obviously, the dream story would be Brentford, but I think maybe next season might be their time. I think within that, if we had to bring Leeds in a poor form, Fulham, if Mitrovic doesn't play, and Brentford, and then Preston were still in there. Uh, yeah, I'd say Preston would be, would be, Leeds, Fulham, or Brentford in the player final in the playoffs. So yeah, I'd go West Brom, Nottingham Forest, and Preston.
0: Fair enough. I mean, I, I think I'm in agreement with both of you about West Brom. I think they'll win the league. I think actually by the end of the season they'll have won it quite comfortably. I think they're gonna they're gonna start to pick up. And as you said, Chris, a few. Injury returns have hit them at a good time, and I think they'll start to pick up again. Um, I don't think Leeds will go up. I just don't, and I think they'll they'll fold at the end of against Derby in the playoff semi final. I think they'll make the playoffs, but I think they'll go out in the semi final again. Uh, so I'm going to go West Brom and Fulham automatics, and I think that Fulham will just go a few steps further. And I think I'm, oh, fairy tale. You know, what? I'm going for the fairy tale. Brentford in the playoffs. <laughs> to beat Forest in the last minute and everyone cries and they sell Benrahma to Villa for 40 million next year so yeah West Brom Fulham Brentford is mine on that now we move slightly still in, in the football realms but away from the uh, championship to the FA Cup and there have been many replays over the last uh, week or so um Lots and lots of great results. Now, I'm going to ask you both a question first, and then we'll go through some of the results afterwards. And Chris, I want your thoughts on this, first of all, as the fan of a League One team. Where do you stand on FA Cup replays in general?
2: Uh, I really like them. Love it. But more. In fact, it's (laughs) a shame that they reduce... More replays. It's a shame shame they cut it down from... uh... Like, so it's only rounds three and four that have them now. And obviously... The earlier, well, yeah, earlier rounds as well, but yeah, they stop after round four now, don't they? So, yeah, yeah. which I think is a bit of a shame, to be honest. So, uh, yeah, I really like them. I mean, for yeah, for lower league clubs, they're uh, not only a fantastic occasion for the fans, but also bring in some pretty vital revenue to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, they they make yeah they need more games, really, to to keep themselves going, not not fewer. Uh, mm-hmm. So, I think if you were to reduce them even more. Then you're just putting hundreds of clubs noses out of joint for the sake of about six clubs at the top of the Premier League. So,
0: and, and I, I think it is for that sake of those six clubs that anything would would be mentioned about the replays, and probably the the reason you've suggested for for why the replays are have been scrapped up to a certain point of the competition. Uh, Will, what do you, <laughs> yeah. what's your view on the FA Cup replay as an I
1: institution? Mean, I mean, it, it's probably because of. The Cup magic itself, obviously, we, Aston Miller having a great history in the Cup itself, that you know, you're half a half fan of it, me and Chris now, fans of teams in the lower league, that you know, we also still believe in the magic of the Cup and what it can do. But we, we need to also push out this sort of big club elitism now. I mean, Jurgen Klopp and Pep Guardiola both said they wanted to scrap the replays. But at, at what cost? You look at clubs like um, Shrewsbury and Oxford United... Oh, not true. Shrew- yeah, and Oxford United, they get now enough money to pay their players' wages for maybe two to three, maybe even a month. Mm. You don't know what, what sort of revenue they're getting anymore. You know, there, there's an issue with the EFL, with their regulation of owners of clubs, and one of the things that are saving a lot of clubs are the fact that some of these fairytale clubs get into the higher rounds, get that revenue and keep that money. It's very important that we remember, you know... It, it's, it's the cup, it's the magic of the cup it's exactly, you know I mean, I would have never have got to Wembley with Stoke, or the new Wembley should I say with Stoke if it wasn't for the cup itself, mm. uh, our semi-final 5-1 win over Bolton and you know, those are some of the greatest memories as a fan, I can have and yet, even, even though we lost to Manchester City 1-0 in the final, it was an amazing time, it was an amazing day out one of, the, one of Stoke City's biggest ever days The danger is, as I say, the likes of Pep Guardiola and Jurgen Klopp getting their way and then not allowing clubs who generally need this an opportunity to get this. And also, I think it's just an absolute shambles that Klopp, who is a a manager I absolutely respect, doesn't turn up. doesn't turn up. Yeah, I I was going to come on
0: to that. I mean, you just said that you don't think it's, uh, it's right that he doesn't turn up i'm in agreement honest i think that the players fair enough if he wants that's his prerogative to pick whichever team he wants to pick if he wants his players to have a break give his players a break that's fine but he's the manager of liverpool and i think he should be in that dugout to what to at least spur his his side on now they went on to win but i think that's irrelevant Uh, chris what do you make of of jürgen klopp skipping his sides replay win over shrewsbury
2: yeah i think he i agree with you too he should have he should have been there. He doesn't need the break. It's not. He's not got too many miles in the legs from the season. I mean, he hasn't been running up and down the touchline that much. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, he absolutely should have been there to uh, res- uh, as an ambassador for his club, for the manager, and to and show respect to Shrewsbury as well, really, as, mm-hmm. as well as the competition. And, yeah, it's just... Um, it feels like he was just trying to make a point, really. But it's a very self-serving point, which could... Mm-hmm damage the whole of the English leagues uh, because if they do get rid of more games, then there's just, um, the problem is there's too many competitions, too many league organisers pulling in different directions. So the Premier League want one thing. The FA want another thing. UEFA want another thing. FIFA want another thing. Like they've talked about expanding the Champions League well, that's just going to have more games in. So that just makes the problem even worse. Yeah. And then you've got FIFA wanting to have a Club World Cup, which is twenty teams, like 24 teams or something, rather than the seven it is in December. They'd have it at the end of the season, which then just adds a load more competitive games into an orgy congested calendar. So it's just, yeah, it's they're all at odds with one another, really.
0: I feel like if it benefits a big team, then there's more call for it to happen. So if they expanded the Champions League, that would benefit the bigger teams and therefore they'd be well up for it happening, regardless of the fact it's extended fixtures. If it's a replay in the third or fourth round of an FA Cup, they don't want to know oh, because exactly, yeah. for them, for them, it's a cup that, oh, we'll probably get past pass to anyway. But then, so but then they'll start the saying
1: we may as well get rid of teams in league two get rid of teams in league one yeah, yeah, that, Exactly. In, exactly exactly primary legal championship it more like pro evolution soccer which and then you end up
2: with one. one team left with no one left to play they, who <laughs> that. like that's the ultimate just, end of this isn't it it's <laughs> yeah like
0: pep guardiola and and Klopp are like the two kids that brought the football with them they want to play their way and then they take the football home
1: and everyone else is like oh well can't play I can't believe anymore. Yeah, just but then Clark, like Clark definitely takes the ball home and tricks Pep Guardiola into doing so. <laughs> <laughs> this is a very slight
2: point. I yeah. can't believe so. this. I don't want to go off on a tangent, but this, I read this morning about Guardiola was moaning about the fact that, or worried about the fact that because their game against West Ham was cancelled due to the weather, they wouldn't have enough games preparation for their Champions League match against he's just lost, I was yeah, like a week ago just, you, were Moli, you lost, think list was too congested yeah. it's like you can't have your cake and eat it he just wants everything to be totally perfect for his team and the hypocrisy level is astonishing I mean Will made a good point if if
0: fans were thought about then, then replays would, would stay wouldn't they mm. but, but fans especially of lower league clubs that's not that's not the FA's priority it really isn't it, the, it their the priority, priority is but their priority is to to maintain the the brilliant competition further up the the league hierarchy and to keep the best players coming and the best managers. And the way to appease that is to take replays out. Um, I mean, what do you think of extra time in replays? Do you think it should go to extra time or do you think it should go to penalties?
1: I don't. I don't mind the the penalty rule. I really don't. Uh, you know what they should do though. I, th- I think they brought it in on some sort of competition. Speak to both teams. Speak to both teams. Yeah. What would you rather do? It's 90 minutes before the game. What would you rather do? Would you rather go into extra time or penalties? Um, speak to the both. If the bone can't make a decision, extra time, penalties. If they want to cut extra time, then cut out extra time. Because, I mean, everyone goes on about, like, off a, a massive North club. And so, like, if Leeds have to go to play Plymouth in the Cup, you've got travelling Leeds fans going to Plymouth. And, you know, it's all that, that could be of an issue in regards to travel. And in regards to the players as well, and maybe both sets of fans just go, you know what, just play the game. And if we draw, just go to penalties. That's absolutely fine. Mm. Um, I, I've forgotten why they did that. They've done that recently. but Well, I mean, I mean it,
0: I'm an advocate for going straight to penalties. And it happened recently in the Carabao Cup semi-final between Leicester and Villa, where both sides knew they were going to penalties, so mm. tried their absolute hardest to win the game. I feel like, when and, and ended up with Villa winning the game, which is great for me. But I feel like when you know there's extra time coming, you know that, right, let's just keep it tight till extra yeah. time and then we've got another 30 minutes to win the game. And then yeah. that kind of drags the game out towards the end. And I just feel like when you've played 180 minutes already, why do you need another 30 minutes of football to try and decide between the two teams? But for me, penalties are more exciting anyway than extra time. However, Newcastle <laughs> might not agree with that with the incredible goal by Alan St. Maximan. No uh,
1: lifetime ban. No lifetime ban. Uplift it. Ridiculous. For the, for the, <laughs> is that even true?
0: I, I've read a story that that was yeah, a fake no, news I think, story. I think it was a spoof. I think
1: it was a spoof. Well, um, they are
0: trying to
1: talk to people, But, they're investigating but then, and then, And then you've got two weeks ago, Alfredo Morales in Scotland gets racially abused by a 12-year-old and it's literally two weeks of investigating and that's it. With this one, it's going to go on for absolute ages and it's yeah. just an absolute... Piss take. It, it, don't get me wrong. You should never ever don't get, get out anywhere. Your honest, well, I, I, I think he pissed anywhere. I think he was completely dry. But <laughs> it's just one of the it's, it's situations. Yeah. Right. Yeah. He's a bit of a moron for doing it. Absolutely greedy. Yeah, he's a bit of yeah, a moron yeah. for doing it. But he is he has done something which his head he's probably thought was funny contextually, <laughs> and yeah. you know he he he's now at risk of punishment, which. It's it's just getting a bit far now. When a guy who helicopters a last-minute winning goal from, as you know, one of the nicest names at Newcastle United, is getting more serious investigation. It's like that Ollie McBurnie swearing. He's he he is a fan. He is a football fan. Every single yeah. person on that row was swearing at the opposition, and he's the one being caught out. And yeah, I, I mean, know he's I, a. I, f-
0: I said it to Chris after that happened that when Mike Dean celebrated for Tranmere it's the same horrendously, thing. he didn't same get thing. even called up on it when he was trying to mock the other fans and, like, I don't know. I was football standards. So don't it's it. he
1: it. a be on him, But still, he is a fan of football. Yeah. We've all done stupid stuff when we've scored. We all love this idea of footy limbs. Yeah. I mean, that might be smaller than a limb, but still. Yeah. Just...
2: Depends it, who you are. It, it, um, yes. I can remember it's, it's, a few occasions it's, where... Um paul paul skulls old chap popped out his shorts a few times we're not <laughs> accusing him, him of old chap. we're not really? accusing. he wasn't banned for six weeks for a uh, no. decent exposure was he so it's all and, and when so, took a took a
0: a waz on the side and i, I yeah. tried to use his name um yeah i don't think he got reprimanded for it who hasn't tallywacker out when someone scored i mean obviously yeah. uh chris i'm going to so, my favorite story of the whole of this round of the FA Cup was, of course, Birmingham City and Coventry playing their home and away fixture at the same venue, <laughs> yeah. then playing the replay back at the same venue, and then Birmingham eventually winning 4 1 on penalties. I mean, just an insane story,
2: right? Uh, yeah, I think that'll appear in some sort of like pub quiz in a few years or oh, something. It's absolutely. kind of a very odd circumstance. I actually watched highlights of that game, and Coventry pretty much played Birmingham off the park and then just. Well, put it was, it, in it, it was a Villa player. <laughs> Villaloni, Calamo hair that missed a, a
0: wide open goal. That could yeah, sit in Coventry yeah. At Birmingham City's ground. Yeah.
2: Which would really have been incredible. Should, they really should have been in the in the hat. <laughs>
0: absolutely. Well, well, I think we're all, we're all agreed on replays. So Chris, I'm glad you mentioned pub quiz because I have got a little quiz for you. Okay. Three oh, question okay. quiz about some of the replays of the past, and there are some absolutely stonking replays. Let me put that out there. Okay. So. The first one is all about the infamous Arsenal one, Manchester United two in the FA Cup semi-final, I believe, which was a replay at Villa Park. I want to say, uh, and for those that aren't aware, I think Bergkamp missed a penalty, and I'll see minutes, and then and then uh, Ryan Giggs scored that immense, immense goal. Um, what I want to know is who passed Ryan Giggs the ball for him to be able to score that absolute wonder goal? Um, Chris, I'm going to ask you first. Who who do you think passed Ryan Giggs the ball for him to then take on half of the Arsenal team before slotting past David Seaman?
2: Uh, probably in his own half, wasn't it? Uh, I'm going to go with Licky Butt.
0: Licky Butt, interesting. Uh, Will, who passed Ryan Giggs the ball for him to score? Or his and then reveal his hairy, hairy chest.
1: I'm trying because this is when Giggs is really young, and there's something about Welshmen on the left-hand channel in finals, just absolutely nailing it with speed, is not there? Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Ah, oh, oh, I'm going to be awful at this. Cause I'm, I'm thinking too old. I'm thinking okay, too right. old. Right. And I want to go with. I'm, I'm going to be absolutely ripped apart here. I want to say Steve Bruce. Um, You're both wrong, it was actually Patrick Vieira Patrick Vieira
0: Stupidly gave the ball away Passed it it across the (laughs) centre circle Which allowed then Ryan Giggs To proceed to Absolutely terrorise the defence I think he took on either Martin Keown or or Lee Dixon Like four times in the same move And then stopped it past David Seaman Um, Right, next question the next one revolves around Tottenham 3, Manchester City 4 in February 2004, okay? Now, Tottenham were into the fifth round as they led 3-0 at half-time. And then, to make matters worse, at half-time, Man City got a player sent off, but, but still came back to win the game 4-3. But what I want to know, and I'll come to you first, Will, who got sent off for Man City at half-time?
1: In 2004?
0: Yeah, in 2004, oh, on on his way back to the dressing room, somehow got sent off. And I think, oh, what was his name?
1: Uriah yeah. Rennie. I think it was Uriah Rennie that sent him off. Um, Can I get a yes or no answer on this? Was he a tall centre midfielder? Um, define tall. I, mean, I don't know. Well, I don't know what his height <laughs> Well, I don't for think me he's particularly tall for me tall's anyone over five foot nine so uh, it, it it, it could be I don't know di- mi- Haman
0: and Chris, who got sent off at
1: half time on his
0: way back to the dressing
2: room. you're gonna k- will you're gonna kick yourself because you get sent off all the time. It was Joey Barton <laughs> it, it was Joey <sighs> Barton, yeah, it was Joey, the
0: king of sending off and probably Did- not the nicest guy Barton um,
2: didn't. Uh- John Macken's has got to win it, or someone ran. Yeah, it for that.
0: I, I think he did. Um, yeah, John Macken. <laughs> I think I watched this game. <laughs> yeah. <Do you> think? <laughs> Honestly, it's the weirdest. If you've not searched it, search for it because Tottenham were three nil. Must best have gone back to address me, thinking, thinking, yeah. I'll run this easy. Um, right, last question, and it, it does involve Manchester United again, but I want to know in nineteen ninety eight. Um in the fifth round replay Manchester United drew one all with an unnamed club, they had one season in the Premier League the likes of in the replay Ben Thornley um I was about to say Nick Clegg it wasn't Nick Clegg, it was somebody <laughs> Clegg uh, <laughs> uh, and I think Peter Schmeichel w- might have even been in goal that day actually but I oh, know Manchester United surprisingly lost three two to an unnamed that spent a season that season in the Premier League.
1: Who did they lose
0: three two in nineteen ninety eight in the fifth round replay? Chris, I'll, I'll come let, to you first. I'll let
1: Chris go first. Because, uh, <laughs> pre- yeah, yeah, Premier League an
0: unnamed league, Premier League one season wonder at that time. Ah. Uh... In 1998, in the fifth round replay, Manchester United lost three-two against a team they were not expected to lose to.
2: I'm gonna guess Swindon Town. I have no idea.
0: Sorry, yes, uh, Will.
1: I believe it was, and I don't know it was, Barnsley.
0: It was Barnsley. Ah, well done. Yeah, it was Barnsley, the South Yorkshire club. Um at Oakwood absolutely nailed Man City and I think it was a central defender, Scott Jones. Uh, what did I say? Man City, I meant Man United. Yeah. <laughs> uh that was part of the quiz too. So Chris, good point. Um <laughs> Scott Jones scored two against Peter Schmeichel. And I bet if I was him, I'd never live that down. Like I'd I'd try and make everyone remember it. I'd go like, yeah, uh, Scott Jones. Oh, you know the guy that scored two goals against Peter Schmeichel once in nineteen ninety-eight. <laughs> yeah, that's the guy. Yeah, I knew yeah, you recognised yeah, me. Pick, that's what I do. Scott
1: time.
0: Jones. You get to call him Jonesy. Yeah. Good lad. Jonesy. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'd call him as well. Um, there's your quiz. I mean, not the best quiz in the world, but still one that got you thinking. Now, just to sum up, I think all of us are in agreement. FA Cup replay should stay. They produced some brilliant results. Without FA Cup replays, we would not have had the infamous, the famous, whichever one you want to call it, Arsenal 1, Man, City, Man United 2 in the treble winning season, which just had so much drama. We also wouldn't have had the crazy Joey Barton getting sent off and then watching his Man City team winning 4 after, 3 after being 3 0 down at half time. We wouldn't have had Birmingham City and country playing at the same ground twice for no apparent reason. And we wouldn't have had some of the brilliant brilliant results we've had over the past so keep our replays please so it's almost time for wills category first one as part of the sports weekly team but before we do that josh as i said is at the national pun championships and he has sent us a few of his favorite jokes uh are you ready boys because number one i met a character with chlamydia it was Beauty and the Yeast. Uh, <laughs> gross, but but funny. Um, Josh said, "Fruit and veg category." So, it, are there actual categories of these things? Because that's a niche category, isn't it? Um, or is Josh just categorizing them himself? Because <laughs>
1: he's, really into, he's really into the. He's categories. really
0: into the Um Spilt some bolognese sauce all over me. I was covered from my head to Tomato. to tomato. That, oh, is, yeah, that is strong. I mean, that's, that is strong. And it's also in the delivery, I suppose. I suppose it wasn't delivered Delivered like I just... Um, and then when my wife said she was planning our honeymoon in China, I was like, what, hun?
1: So, <laughs> <"Duh."> <laughs> so Josh what did say
0: it's the best thing I've ever been to. So, he's already cheating on us because this isn't the best thing he's ever been to or done. So rude and harsh um our faces, yeah i mean rattly rubbing our faces so we'll forget okay, about got- that guy until he sends us more more puns later but will it's time for your category please introduce your sports category this week
1: so this week i will be talking about the six nations particularly england versus scotland and just a little bit of stuff on what's happening everywhere else
0: very nice so what do you uh, well, let's start with England versus Scotland, actually, because it's a, I want to say good game to start on, but good game is not what it was. So, <laughs> so uh, good rugby game, let's put it that way. It, it isn't necessarily what it was. Um, Will, your thoughts, please, on England versus Scotland.
1: Well, Scotland are obviously still missing their golden boy, Finn Russell, who has been punished, uh, essentially, but has somehow managed to turn it around and have Scotland by the balls. Basically, Finn Russell went out um, got absolutely battered one night and missed training, um, then missed the first game. Then Gregor Townsend, the Scottfield coach, basically told him n- not to turn up, then missed the England game. Scotland have then lost both of their games, which unfortunately means that he has now had to tuck his tail between his legs, Gregor Townsend, and basically invite Finn Russell to come back because he does does as as he does add that little bit of spice Scottish side. Similar to Carlos Tevez
0: when uh, he got had to be invited back into the Man City side, right?
1: It's just sort of like we've got nothing else we need you because obviously something's not yeah. working, which is the thing is, though, I think with Gregor Townsend, though, obviously, so we'll, we'll go into the game in a moment, but if you are the coach of a team, this is like a Kepa Sarri moment. Like, you either do what the coach says and the coach can't back down. Sarri and Townsend both back down. And don't get me wrong, I don't believe Chelsea deserve Sarri, but you can't back down if a player's telling you, you can't have the player running the squad. You have to have to Not at all.
2: keep yeah. your foot
1: down, make your decision and stick with it. That's essentially what, you know, one of the main jobs of being a coach is.
0: Yeah. But, I, yeah. I, I think that is the problem. Once you back down, you show a weakness and then players can choose to, if they so wish, exploit that weakness. Mm-hmm. And, and it's hard to come back from that. And I know, I know obviously you mentioned Sari and that's, a really good analogy because loads of people thought sorry would go as soon as that incident happened loads of people thought he would go and it, i and thought it he seems was going to me walk like, out
2: the stadium like yeah when it happened. <laughs> he always looked like he turned around and was halfway down the tunnel and mm. that it,
0: but yeah but yeah, it seems to me like sense, this scotland coach could go a, a simple way if he if he's having to kind of as you said invite someone back in that he's outcast himself for for pretty fair reasons
1: I mean mean, it's going to be very unlikely now that Scotland are able to reach anywhere really with uh, the Six Nations Um, they won't get rid of the manager you may as well keep him throughout the Six Nations because getting rid of him with two games in would just make absolutely no sense Um, but with this it's important to also point out the game itself so it was at Murrayfield um, it was terrible Awful conditions. Rainy, windy. The kickers were absolutely abhorrent. Owen Farrell, awful. Adam Hastings, awful. And yet, still managed to win the game. And we won the game due to just brutal determination. Scotland in the first half were an absolute bombardment. England's defence held up very, very well. The bat line did a very, very good job. I'd like to move on very quickly. So, a couple of a couple of um, you know, a couple of kicks, couple of penalties have gone in, but we need to get to the point of the try. The try being by Ellis Genge. Now, Ellis Genge is a bit of a cult hero amongst rugby fans. Sort of a, a rag well, it's it's horrible to say Rags to Richard's story. I don't really want to go back and say Ellis Genge's history, because everyone does that. Yes, he had some troubles when he's little and he's used rugby as a sport. His just absolute power and aggression to get over that line and the absolute joy you could see him when he scored the try itself. England end up winning the game thirteen six. At the end of the game, Ellis Genge is um in a conversation with one of the reporters uh, to which he calls all critics sausages. Now the <laughs> reason why is because England, after their unfortunate loss to France the other week, uh, basically the same the same story is, is this a hangover of the South Africa World Cup? And basically, it's basically everything uh, England players are hearing. To which, I mean, it's difficult to argue against because they haven't and didn't play well, very well against France. But I think may have brushed this under the carpet with a win against Scotland because of just how well they managed to perform and how well they managed to keep uh, on their day a good Scotland side out. So, you know, unfortunate for Gregor Townsend, but good news for Eddie Jones.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned Eddie Jones there, Chris. I, I uh, uh, will, sorry. I want to get your thoughts, Chris, on Eddie Jones himself because he's criticized the behavior of the Scotland fans. Um now jeering and 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 booing and whatever is one thing. Um now he's, he's claimed that uh, his members of staff and um it's particularly his head Plastic bottles during the uh, well, I think even before kickoff. What are your thoughts on that kind of behaviour within? Because you don't hear so much of that from from rugby fans, uh, do you? hear kind of a less of a segregated and more of a, a inclusive atmosphere. Whereas with football fans, you hear of that kind of thing. What do you think of the behaviour of those those fans?
2: Well, that's yeah, that's pretty poor, and like you say, it's uh, yeah, that is quite unusual for. For rugby, but maybe it's a sign it can't just rely on its history for uh, policing itself. They need to maybe uh, have a look at dealing with people who are who are doing that. Otherwise, I mean, you risk spoiling it for everyone as well because they don't have segregated segregated seating in rugby, which I think is one of the big draws for it. You can have a drink in the stand, and everyone sort of gets gets along. But sounds like a few individuals have taken it too far there, maybe because of the the rather. We're England and Scotland there, uh, but uh, no, that's disappointing uh Yeah, can't condone that. However, well, well, what, what do you make? What do you make of the created
0: anyway? Because I, I think the the, the um, stadium announcer had to remind fans that yeah. they should be quiet whilst the players are kicking, um, and had and had to kind of remind them about showing respect. Yeah, but for me, in, in an England Scotland Six Nations game that is so filled with 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 errors and passion and and that kind of mentality surely it it's quite difficult to, to remain silent whilst whilst the other yeah. team is kicking in that situation
2: Yeah, it's it's a bit of an odd one that because, yeah, generally it is respected in rugby but it seems like such a ripe opportunity to try and put, yeah. <laughs> put the opposition yeah. off. I'd be, t- yeah, take a lot of restraint to to not take that opportunity really um, I've seen it before at games as well where people haven't respected the kicker and they've had to had to go through the go through the normal process with with all the noise and, and carry on going on beyond the beyond the post. So yeah, I think part of it is just a distraction for, by James really because there's two games in a row his team haven't played particularly well, and uh, I think he's under a little bit of pressure for the first time really. Uh, so I think that takes a part of it. There was a re- I was, on Saturday morning there was a really bizarre interview that I heard he had with someone from the BBC and she was just asking him a direct question and he just wouldn't respond to it. He could have asked, is the sky blue? And he wouldn't answer it straight. (laughs) He's just trying to create this, like... I think part of his tactic is to create a bit of a fog of uncertainty around everything and what's going on. And he uses that as a way of distracting the
1: media and things from... uh... And also, he's he's got... He's a bit... um, A a tiny bit hypercritical because you are correct. Sometimes he is... You know, you are correct. He is under pressure. Basically... France versus England last week is possibly what's personified him since the World Cup. He basically wrote France's team talk for them. You know I want to yeah. smash yeah. Them, I, yeah. them I you know you know we you know making them maybe not think directly out to France being you know the same old France, which obviously under Sean Edwards, they haven't been played basically a similar blitz defence that South Africa did, and you know we we lost the game, not saying that they're the same side whatsoever, but a similar tactic has caused. England to sort of having a look at how they actually play themselves. But I mean, when it comes to Eddie Jones sort of telling other, player, telling other people not to be, you know, sporadic or possibly disrespectful, maybe a bit rich coming from a man who, as I stated, wrote a Francis T-tour, wrote Francis Team Talk, got him absolutely riled up and yeah. fair play Sean Edwards put out his team very, very well. And England couldn't, couldn't match it for most of the game.
0: Yeah, and, and I think you mentioned France there, Will, because they've made a, a solid start to this to this Six Nations. Now, obviously, yes. we're, we're, we're pretty dominant in the first half against Italy, but wasn't the best display in the second half and ended up drawing the second half with Italy in the end, um, as they kind of let Italy back into the game a bit a bit too much, I think, for their liking. Uh, what do you make of France in general? What, what, do you, what do you think of their chances of well either winning the Six Nations or com- completing the Grand Slam?
1: I mean, it, it, it's awkward because it, you never want to. I mean, when you're two out of two, you can never sort of disown a side. But everyone's, get their, everyone's got their free pass against Italy. Uh, yeah. In all honesty, there's a good argument at the moment for um, relegating Italy and bringing up a country like Georgia, who would give um, a lot more teams a game and actually have something more to think about. Um, Do you think that will happen at any point? Because I know there's a lot of talk
0: of making the Six Nations bigger. Um, well, I mean, Eddie, Eddie Jones is against that.
1: Well, I mean, we went from five to six. They did it, so I, I, and we found it more entertaining. I don't think possibly bringing in. I don't know whether bringing in a relegation promotion battle. Because I mean, what would be the league below it, essentially? Yeah. Because then it's not the Six Nations. Then it's the Twelve Nations. Only one team goes up. Well, why can only one team go up? Questions like that will happen. I just think in regards to Italy's record. Don't get me wrong. It's it's heartbreaking to see you know a minor country with a sport they they don't they, they aren't funded whatsoever being you know torn out and when they do occasionally win a game you know it is it is magical for them. But you've got teams like Georgia um, who you know have played um, a lot of tournaments that aren't the Six Nations and have looked impressive. And a lot of people are calling for them because they would have the exposure they, they would want and possibly deserve um but you know bringing back to I'll just bring back to that France and Italy game once more in regards to can kind of France win the six nations at this moment in time you know I don't think they will I think Ireland you know will possibly now be the dominant force as long as they don't cock up I think Wales still have a chance and obviously England still have a chance um but yeah France have this tendency to and they've got this hangover of tournaments in the past where they, they they dominate first halves. This is not the first time we've seen a French team that dominates first halves, but then get too relaxed, get too easy, get too calm, and constantly let teams back into it. And if they if they go maybe six or, or thirteen or, or however much uh, you know above like a team like Wales, and if they turn up against Wales for even twenty minutes, they'll 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 hurt them. And so I think although France have been fantastic, I don't think they will. Win the six nations, but they'll have a they are having and will have an incredible tournament. and Sean yep. Ed, uh, yeah, as I say, Sean Edwards needs to be you know praised a lot for that. yeah, I think um
0: France island as the the final game of this this entire six nations will be a really interesting one, because, as you mentioned, will, Ireland seemed to be the other team. now, chris, at the at the weekend, the um the other big result was the fact that um Ireland won 24-14 against Wales. Um, now Ireland beat um, Ireland beat Scotland in the first game by seven points nineteen twelve. Have beaten Wales now twenty four fourteen, and then go on to play England next. How do you think this Ireland side could be will be the only one to challenge France? Uh,
2: no, they're both
0: played two one two at
2: the minute. Yeah, I'm, well they're probably the most likely uh, challenges. Yeah, but. Like Will said, I think it's still a reasonably open tournament at this stage. We're being quite an early stage, and it you could get the situation where a teams taking points off each other, and then it opens it out again to a few more sides. But yeah, at this stage, it looks like uh, being between France and Ireland. Sooner or later, somebody's going to get over the try line against Ireland and actually apply downward pressure to the ball, though. and because uh, yeah. they've been relying on people making unbelievably basic errors at really mm. crucial points in both games which could have actually turned the momentum of of both of those matches so they've been quite lucky in a way there uh but going forward they've looked yeah uh reasonably potent and uh they, they i watched the game on saturday and they were they did score some good tries and played played pretty good played the better would i think in that one certainly uh this weekend I think Scotland. was a bit more, a bit more fortunate in that match. But uh, yeah, they're looking quite strong. They looked to have gone over their World Cup. Well, it doesn't look like there was a World Cup hangover really, because they were quite disappointed in that tournament. Yeah. Here they've been. Uh, yeah, much more, much better really, I think. Yeah, and I, th- I think against Wales, they just looked.
0: They looked fired up. They looked like yeah. they were hungry. They looked like they wanted to win and ended up scoring four tries, which kind of showed a bit their dominance against against that's Wales. It's hard to it do against, against Wales American Scotland. Like well, they've exactly. got
2: good defence. So that's and yeah, they've that is been on
0: a good run of form Wales have. And especially would have been confident having beaten whilst we've mentioned Italy not being the best of sides. Forty two nil still puts you in a lot of confidence going into that island game. So for Ireland to, to come out so dominant is probably the wrong word, but a dominant display, I'd say, was was, was absolute testament to, to how well Ireland were prepared for the task. Mm. So, I mean, for me, it just, it just sums up what an entertaining uh, contest this is going to be. For me, between Ireland and France, and I think it will go down to that, that, that last game. And who knows, it could be the most entertaining last game that we've seen for a while because it's all to play for. So, our final uh, topic this week for the podcast is all about the one day international between England and South Africa. As England secured a win to draw the series, one all, um, they won by two wickets in this game. They got 257 for eight off 43.2 overs, with Denley high scoring on 66. Um, a really, really entertaining game, which looked like England were going to win fairly comfortably until four really quick wickets um, right towards the end of England's innings kind of made it seem a bit scarier than it needed to be. Um, England obviously winning with two wickets remaining. Uh, Will, what did you make of the of the of the match?
1: Uh, yeah, well, I mean, essentially, you know, Owen Morgan's correct in stating this is just basically training for the T20. Um, yeah it, it looked a little bit scary, but you know the middle order did you know, the, the middle order did collapse uh, as we have seen it do from time to time. but I, I, in regards to a good warm-up match, I think it was nice to see a couple of players you know stretch out a little bit. I mean it was nice to see uh, Mahmood obviously replacing Joffre Arch and seeing if essentially that may be the case. Um, just a bit worrying that at such a young age we are pushing Jeffoff Archer so so much. And he's got another. I mean, what was it? A stress one before, uh, and now where he has, where he's at with his, um, is it his back or his arm?
0: Uh, I think it's his side. I, th- I feel like
1: it's his side. Um, it's, I'll, it's I'll it's have a, a look at that in a second.
0: I feel like it's a yeah. side strain, um, which I don't know whether that needs any um, treatment on, let's say, or whether it just needs a bit of rest. But I think I think I heard on the radio the other day that. He's only been in the England setup since April or May, and yet yeah. of any bowler in the world, he's been used the most often. He's bowled something like the most overs, um, mm-hmm. which shows how much we've relied on him um, with throughout the last 12, 10 to twelve months.
1: Mm. Well, Marshall, I mean, he was—you know—he's was a vital part at the World Cup. Obviously, the argument against Jofra is the fact that you know he is quite an expensive bowler, but at the same time, I mean, we saw it at the World Cup against their numerous sides, he was absolutely fantastic. Issue there is, when it comes to our supporting cast, bringing this, you know, young players, young fast bowlers, we don't seem to have many, you know, talisman. But as I say, this Mahmoud today looked pretty, sorry, the day looked, you know, it looked all right. He bowled very well the first couple of balls, then got up to 87 in the first over, which, you know, very impressive for young lads to come in. Another, you know, interesting fact about the squad as well, is, you know, he's brought back in, uh, Moe now and Adil Rashid, which you know mm. brings us a l- it, it's difficult with our spin bowlers because some days they can be absolutely on fire and yet other days we wonder why we bring them at all but you know, yeah. I mean Adil I think you were telling me earlier, I think you saw in the game as well Rashid got three Yeah, th- three wickets for uh, three for 51 Yeah, and got Dukkak out as well, who was, their, who was their star man, so to get him out it, you know, it, you know, it, it, it's bowling well. It's just when it comes to the main stage, such as the T20, are we going to risk Joffre once again? Are we going to bring Mahmoud? Or are we going to actually bring in two or three spinners? It, it's, it, it's, it's a good problem to have, essentially. But until we get there, we, we, we don't know. Yeah, and and you're absolutely
0: right. We, we don't know what's going to happen, but we do have options. Um, mm-hmm. It's also worth noting that Rashid ran out Hendricks as well. Um, yeah. Which shows he's contributing in the field. Uh, it was a low-grade stress fracture in his right elbow, is what Jofra Archer has yeah. in it, which it shows valuable. it must be from him being overbowed. You don't get an injury like that if you're if you're not being overworked, and it sh- it just means he's going to miss a lot of cricket, including the IPL for him personally, potentially. Although his team haven't haven't confirmed that yet. It means he's gonna miss a lot of cricket, which for a for a youngster trying to trying to deal with that kind of injury is is pretty difficult for him. Um, Chris, I mean, you've had you've had a a little watch of the of the highlights, and it was fair to say Bearstow was on serious batting form until he got out. 43 from 23 balls. He was not hanging around. Six, four, uh, six fours uh three sixes in that time. Um, does it show just how strong England's bat? can be in this kind of format especially with the likes of um ben stokes and uh joss butler to come back into the fold and even wood actually who is a very capable batter
2: yeah i think so i mean it was a pretty destructive innings i thought he was really hitting the ball very cleanly like they weren't just sixes which were creeping over they were smashed into the stands like it was some incredible shots yeah really good ball striking and yeah, pleasure to watch that. Um, yeah, just a shame he was hold out relatively early, early on in terms of how many balls he faced. But uh, obviously, in Twenty Twenty, you're trying to score as quickly as possible. So I think the f- it shows he's in good form, which uh, which is good news for forms of the game for England really. And uh, yeah, the batting line looks looking uh, quite strong at the moment. Uh, I don't think there's too much to worry about at this stage, which is a nice position to be in. Uh, like uh, Will said, it's more to do with the bowling and the lack of spin. because and... you've got people like Rashida, have, he's like ruled himself out of Tests, hasn't he? And things like that. Mm. So, so although he's doing a job here in the other forms of the game, it still leaves a few holes in the squad which do filling. So, yeah. So there's a few issues there for them. But uh, no, the batting's uh, come on quite well, really. And but I, we are always we always have a collapse in us, don't we? That's the case. Yeah. Uh, yeah, every single time. And, and it seems to happen every series for a bit. So, uh,
0: yeah. Will, I, I, what what, what I, do?
2: You, sorry. Dan, sorry. What? I
0: think it was a time in the in the game. We we won with 40 balls remaining. Yeah. And I think it's an, a time in the game where we collapsed. Where we didn't need. We could have managed the game better. We could have. Mm-hmm. There was there was a time when we had I think some like 16 runs remaining from 60 something balls, and you still had players oh. trying to hit out literally yeah, as hard as they, they could. Onto, and at that point, yeah. you're like just manage the game okay just go end that game on a massive high with so many wickets still intact you don't then need to carry on smashing out and i think that's the problem sometimes with england teams which ben stokes completely brings with him the ability to smash the ball but to guard the wicket as well when needed to and i think that's a, a skill that too many of the other uh of the other England batters, especially in that middle order, aren't capable of. They can hit the ball as hard as anyone, and yet, at times, they cannot guard their wicket. Um, Will?
1: To, I mean, you've hit no right on the head, and to point out a player who was doing that, you know, so consistently, so consistently, you know, starting almost most of the time the collapse of the middle order if he's not starting, Jason Roy, I, I, you know, it's really hard to say, you know, it's, you never want to bad mouth. Any England player, any sportsman who plays for your country, but an argument. I mean, I remember going to, um, I remember going to the Ashes at Old Trafford, and I remember you know watching the World Cup. And other than maybe a small demographic of people, it's really hard to see anyone in the last couple of last couple of years or, or eighteen months give you know Jason Roy any sort of compliment. He unfortunately. For for reasons unknown, I I mean, you know, I'm not the biggest cricket. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not a cricket expert whatsoever. But when it comes to him and the middle order, smashing the ball, easy wickets, head games, he loses it all the time. And if that is the case, maybe it's time to take him out to start the middle order. Bring someone with a calmer head in. Um, But as I say, well, someone with that calmer head
0: could easily be. Um, someone like uh Joe Denley, who scored yeah. 66 in the game, uh, 66 from 17 was a really, really good innings from him. Yeah. Uh, is obviously great as an opener, but great to get the ball rolling. Root yeah. for me never really excelled as an opener, so I don't, I don't feel like that's his position. But Owen Morgan could go into that position if he took that captain's role and did so. Josh yeah, Butler on. could we're go still, into that yeah. position as well, but mm-hmm. again, not so sure. Um, it's a difficult one isn't it because i think I, I i agree roy is great when he's hitting out but doesn't always provide that confidence for me
1: no he doesn't at all and i mean you just watch the it, big edge goes high in the air roy doesn't know where it's going and i, I don't know whether he panics because he is on, he's it's weird because i remember a few a few years back he he, he was a top batsman and he was actually incredibly headstrong I, I, it, it's not for me as i say to bad matter to badmouth anyone, but in regards to this, something must be going on, must be something incredibly tough to go such a fall from grace in the last, as I say, 18 months to two years.
0: Yeah, and and I think that there is that almost unsurety where there didn't used to be on Roy. There, it used to be an, an absolute sir, and, and I think it is getting to that stage where people are starting to doubt, and, and when that doubt starts to creep in, then players start to can go one of two ways they either completely show their worth and start to really gain their, their mm. momentum that's what happened with ben stokes in a way or they start to fall back and then are in and out of the team and that's not what you want to see with jason roy because we know he's such a talented batsman i mean we're going forward chris onto the the t20 world cup um in australia in october i still distance away but we're starting to prepare for that for that eventuality now england are ranked third in the t20 rankings pakistan first australia second india fourth and south africa fifth now with the likes of roy who as we said is a good batsman but doesn't always show it bairstow root morgan um denley stokes butler and then the bowling talents of the likes of potentially hopefully Jofra archer jordan wood have we got as good a chance of anyone of of winning the T20 World Cup? Well,
2: oh, I'd like to think so. I mean, but in a in a tournament that's quite short format, you there's less chance of there's more like chance from un- 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 unpredictable results as well. So uh, whether that helps England or not, it depends on your point of view really. But I, I think we've got a good pedigree in the competition. Didn't we win it? If, few years ago didn't we so um yeah so we've shown we've got the pedigree as a as a nation to do so uh, whether we're as good as seems like pakistan or australia i'm not i'm not sure really what uh yeah do you have any opinion on that or I, th- I think
0: i think you're right in the fact it's unpredictable i think it's difficult to call in such a short format because yeah any cream doesn't have a chance to
2: rise to the top Really does
0: it? No, and and if you start to fall behind, I mean, we all have probably played stick cricket, am I right?
2: And <laughs> once you fall
0: behind in stick cricket, I mean, there's there's no chance of getting back. And I think it's probably exactly the same kind of <laughs> mentality in in the T20 World Cup, I imagine. And, I, I mean, England won it, Chris, in 2010. Um, Were wow, yeah. runners yeah. up in wow. I believe 2016. Against the uh, West run, Indies. yeah, runners oh, up yeah. to the West Indies yeah. in 2016, yeah,
2: and I that think was, that was that was the quite a
0: funny ben Stokes' final, wasn't it? Where I think he had yeah. the the last over where we needed, they needed a lot of runs to win, and they Did hit six it? thirty so,
1: odd, was it? something, it was Some, like something
2: crazy, twenty four, I think, something like that.
1: And that's where the
0: um,
2: tournament where the West Indies were like just unfathomably brilliant for about a month and then just uh, kind of went back to the
1: (laughs) I mean, But with the Westernies themselves, though, they they can bat big if you get them batting first. I mean, they haven't even got bad bowlers. They've not got bad bowlers either. I mean, it's very obvious what they're going to do. I mean, they've got two, you know, two to three quite good, you know, pace bowlers, and then they bring on Big Gale for a bit of spin. But then they're, you know, they're big, big hitters and yeah. To say that, you know, they're not, it, it, it's awkward because if you get your first couple of wins under your belt, and then you just get a bit more confidence, a bit more confidence. Obviously, their last World Cup wasn't great whatsoever, and no one's trying to defend that. But in regards of what they bring, I mean, as I stated, they're big ball hitters. That's what they've been known to do. Hit, you know, bat and ball. Um, so I can't, you know, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily write them off just yet. You are, you are right. A team like that could come up and shock everyone.
0: And I I think we'll see more of what's going to happen when our T20 series against South Africa starts because it's difficult to play in the same way in a a 50-over format. Mm. Although some England players do play in the same way, the the one thing I I can never understand about certain England players is their inability to leave a ball. If a ball is not (laughs) right to be hit, don't hit it. Don't put your bat on that ball. And yet, there seems to be a lack of confidence with some England players if they think they think they leave a ball then it's all the unknown or they need to score a run every time they don't they, they, they just simply don't because a four or a six kind of negates the need to to score runs with every single ball and i think too often england players do not leave the ball when when it should be left which is which is In the test, case for, I mean? yeah
1: completely so test and even 20. 50
0: over yeah so much more relevant to try and score every ball so in effect we're almost potentially if we play well more effective in a t20 because we've got players who always want to to mm-hmm. get ball on bat and that potentially that kind of attitude well, could, could be really the game in t20 yeah. and and we've got the hitters to do it bear so proved that generally uh, proved that um stoke sorry proves that every single time he's on a cricket field so there's no reason why we can't win um win the t20 World Cup in my opinion um just just a, a slight word for for decoq who i think got a century in the first first um the first game of this three series uh match and then got 69 bowled brilliantly by Rashid in this one i think he's he's quite unlucky not to be on on the winning side in the
1: series what what do you reckon will it it, it's a bit like when we talk about hangovers of previous tournaments um south africa in the last tournament in the world cup especially were just diabolical duplicy couldn't get going you know de kock was okay um but it, it it's difficult i i can't really pinpoint where they may be going wrong because essentially bowling-wise, I mean, looking when they collapsed the middle order; they were absolutely having the time of their lives, bowling yeah. very, very well. I think I'm wrong, slopping England, England batting, but you've got to put the ball there in the first place to, to make a mistake. Um, I don't know how well they'll fare in a T20. I think they are. I don't think they. I'll be honest, I think South Africa will do well in the T20. I think they are a, you know, an ODI side nowadays. I, you know, we'll have to see, obviously, but I don't think they're going to fare very well. Um, I think they're going to struggle to get into a rhythm when it comes to batting. I think they may get a fair few wickets. Um, But no, I, I think South Africa don't really have much of a chance for the T20 World Cup.
0: Yeah, I think I'd have to agree. For me, it's between between the likes of Pakistan, um, England and Australia to to win it and to prove that they can win it. And England have got every single chance. And I think with the hitters they've got, with the bowlers they've got, they can absolutely dominate this T20 if they want to. And I think that's what it will come down to. If they've got the right attitude to do so, they should win or could win, I should say, this T20 World Cup. But one thing is absolutely for sure. Anytime England gets on a cricket pitch, you know it's going to be entertaining so that's all we've got time for this week i'm afraid but i've had an absolute blast and i'm sure has been away at the pun championships he's secretly been missing us all and crying in the audience that's that's what's in my head probably crying with laughter but i mean in my head he's crying because he's, he's missed out um all that remains to ask you guys is is Plans for the week, sporting plans. Will you are going to the Stoke game? I believe on Wednesday.
1: Yeah, we've got. i, I sort of want to retract all my statements I made about Alex Neil earlier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The terrible Alex Neil. Yeah. yeah, I mean bog standard at Norwich, uh, <laughs> straight back down. Yeah, um, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. We've got, yeah, we've got Preston at home. Um, should be a good game. I mean, as I say, I enjoy watching Alex Neil play football. Um, or watching his teams play football, should I say. Yeah. And then, If he's on the pitch, you've got a chance, so that's fine. Yeah, to be, to be fair, let's be honest, we'd have Alex O'Neill versus... Well, sorry, we'd have Alex O'Neill versus Michael O'Neill. I think we'd probably all have Alex O'Neill to do him. Oh, it's, it's the Neil Derby. It's the Neil Derby,
0: yeah, yeah. It's the Neil Derby, oh my word. Neil. Sorry, that was... <laughs> uh, Preston, obviously, as we've talked about, good form. Five, Three wins at the last five. Um but Stoke, three wins out of the last five.
1: Well, third, so, third form table. I mean when you've got anybody's game. When you've got Tom Ince playing like the Toms of Derby and Nick Powell playing like the Nick Powell of his prime at crew, and, and then we've got Tyrese Campbell, who is, you know, surpassing my expectations of a good striker on his way to being a great, great striker. Um, you know, anything can happen. Our defence looks a bit better. All we just need to do is cut out Daniel Johnson uh, in the middle, I would say, and um, make sure we don't let them play the ball on the wing. Um, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful. I mean, I'd, I'd like a 1 0 or 2 1 to do me absolutely fine. Um, but we shall see. We'll have
0: to see. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it sounds like it's going to be an exciting game, to be honest. Um, Chris,
2: cough ball tomorrow. Train, are you there or are be being square? <laughs> no, I'm there this week. Uh, yeah, looking so forward to seeing what you've got planned down this
0: Loads, just loads of running. I'm just going to yeah. let you run whilst we all watch you
2: from the. Well, we uh, lost a game to the weather like Manchester City at the weekend, didn't we? Yeah. So uh, we, we, we probably did. need some running. Yeah. I thought you played it inside. Well, yeah,
1: Which, well, exactly, which makes exactly you the game even the more weather. ridiculous. It's yeah. the 10,000
2: yeah. fans trying to get to the game that we had to talk about They I'm wouldn't travel now.
1: Staff's card, yeah,
2: exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly.
0: And we should have had a football game on Friday, shouldn't we? But our team has capitulated no more football no, 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 for no, Castle no. FC. Like,
1: like many uh, like many clubs, going through a hard time at this moment. Um, don't get me wrong, I'm not going to make our plight similar to Barry at, or Bori at all. Uh, but it hurts like it. It hurts yeah. like, you know, like it. know, I kid. No, me, Chris, Dan... And a few of our friends uh, all play for a team called Castle FC Uh, on a Friday night, as a lot of Saturday Saturday people will now work on Saturdays. They've tried to, the staff's FA have tried to move games onto Friday night. Unfortunately, the mighty purple will have, have have now folded due to lack of players, interest and income. One and a (laughs) half glorious
0: seasons at the very top of the Friday night Stoke League and when I say top, I mean in the inverted table. Um, but... We never we, we, ne- we,
1: never we, ne- we never we never were bottom.
0: We never were bottom. Second to
1: bottom for a never. long time. Never yeah, we were actually we played better this year. The yeah, year
0: loads more, better.
2: We? It's a bit a sh- makes it a bit more of a shame, really. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That's yeah. hey, good players come in and, and rock the boat. And then we all go. But we go again, boys, as they'd say in Sunday League. Even though we won't go again. But apart from that, like...
1: We'll try. Mentally, we'll go. we we'll, we'll essentially
0: yeah. we'll just go. Um, yeah, we'll just go, leave, we're gone. Um, any Valentine's Day plans?
1: Uh, off to Nilson's Gin Distillery this Saturday. Oh, me and that's Martin. nice. That's yeah, good. Yeah, that really good. Sharing distill. I, I, I shall not be drinking. Um, but she will quite a lot. So we go. <laughs> yeah, nice. Chris, any plans? yeah aren't we looking after your dog yes
0: you are <laughs> so because me and my wife is so romantic um we don't celebrate valentine's day uh because i don't want to be told when i should and shouldn't buy flowers or gifts i want to just oh, buy oh boo books. boo well so, done good man so, <laughs> so we don't celebrate it and so therefore she's going off to a hen weekend in i think norwich i'm going down south for um a christening and for for to see friends so chris is coming to my my house to, to dog sit my yeah good times <laughs> are you looking forward to it chris because
2: yeah okay it'd be good to get out. i hope the weather's all right and we could yeah, yeah have a nice big walk and, uh, no more snow yeah,
0: he was he good. was catching snowballs earlier as we were throwing oh excellent and <laughs> in the snow so he does like snow. Did snowboard. you actually
2: have a reasonable amount of snow? Really?
0: Loads, yeah. loads really? of snow. Ridiculous loads, amounts, yeah. Yeah. Very light, cool. light inches. That? Yeah. 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 Oh, Although it it's all gone now, so ah. oh, I can sweet. get to work tomorrow. So I've well, got to brilliant. go to work tomorrow. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but because it's Valentine's Day, it had me thinking our Twitter topic for this week is going to be sports people that you can turn their names into connotations of love things to do with love okay now wagner love doesn't count the uh, infamous footballer because his name already has love so no countsies i've heard um will you came up with a great one off air please reveal your entrance to our valentine's day sports person mashup
1: uh anthony Knockhart.
0: Anthony Nockhart. I mean, that is, that is some great one. Um, my less good one is Danny Roses. Because um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Roses, the chocolates, all the flower. Um, Chris, any that spring to mind uh, when I say Valentine's Day sports people? Obviously, they were two footballers. You can go for anyone if you wanted t- to. Tim flowers.
2: Tim, flowers. Tim Flowers.
0: Nice. Yeah, Tim Flowers. I mean, if Wagner Love doesn't count, maybe Tim Flowers doesn't count either. But... nonetheless um but we weren't on the spot i had to to uh yeah yeah i put you on the spot i mean i'm not gonna lie to you um but we are going to open it up so i don't think we share anymore because our ideas are obviously going to be so good we're going to open it up to the twitter sphere and hopefully we get some really really good suggestions of sports people as valentine's day themes let's put it that way um so if you want to follow us on twitter or on Facebook, it's at Pod Sports Weekly. That's at Pod Sports Weekly on both Facebook and Twitter. If you want to email us with your suggestions, it's sportsweeklypod at gmail.com. That's sportsweeklypod at gmail.com. And we would love, absolutely love to hear your suggestions. Uh, Will, thank you very much for joining us this week.
1: I'm better than Josh. Thank you very much.
0: <laughs> uh, and Chris, thanks again, as ever, for joining me
2: thanks so much guys yeah i've enjoyed it again cheers it's
0: been an absolute pleasure and thank you listeners this has been sports weekly